0: Recorded live.
1: That's weird. <laughs> Hello.
2: <laughs> hey, it's
1: Tina. Uh, Hi. Hello. Hi. Huh? How's everyone doing? Okay. Good. Okay. It's Wendy here.
3: Hi Wendy, I've been thinking so much about you.
1: How are you doing? Thank you. Um, trying to hang in there, really. Trying yeah. to keep my head above the waters. Um, I have good moments and I have bad moments, and I'm just mm-hmm. trying to go through the waves of emotions right now. Yeah,
3: yeah I'm sure.
1: But um, mm. yeah.
3: Mm. Well, I'm so sorry to hear about everything. Yeah. How's your family?
1: Um, mom. Well, everybody's okay. My husband, he's he's still traumatized from the whole experience. Um, he took a pretty bad. Um, ah. but my daughter, you know, she doesn't know. Obviously, we tried to put it up front right in front of her. Um, so she's okay. Mhm. But um, it. You know, it it gets a little bit easier with other people's support and everyone's, you know, mm-hmm. really being there for us, and been so amazing. But, um, you know, with me and my husband, we'll get moments where we just break down and just we just can't keep up the front anymore, and it just hurts mm-hmm. so much. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure with that' does. You know. <clears> yeah.
3: <throat> well. I've been thinking so much about you, and I hope every day gets a
1: little easier. I hope so, too. Mm. Hi guys. It's yeah. Sarah. Hey, Sarah.
4: Hi. Lola's here.
1: Hey, Lola. Hello. Awesome. Yeah. Who else I just want to say thank you so much for everyone's support, <laughs> really. It just means so much to me, just, like, reading the comments and... Mm. People really go gone beyond what I ever anticipate or expected. So I just mm-hmm. thank you for everyone, you know? Absolutely. <laughs> Anything such we can do. Help, yeah. I just want the pain to be less painful, but it's going to be almost impossible right now. <laughs>
3: hmm yeah,
1: and Wendy, if you feel
3: like you, you don't, you know, you can't be on the call tonight, it's totally fine. Like, we understand. It's
1: okay. it's, it's a good distraction. You yeah, know, I, uh, I just kind of, like, want to continue uh, moving forward the best I can and uh, just distract myself a little bit. good. Yeah. So uh, I'm willing, you know, to, hey, I signed up for the so, you know, I'm all in.
3: Yeah. What did you sign up? What did you say? Can you repeat that last part? Oh no,
1: um, I you know I signed up for DTI, so I'm all in. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Well, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> <clears throat> yeah. Um. Well, you let us
3: know if at any point you need to just kind of step out of the conversation.
1: And I'm that a
3: a lot of um, other folks are on right now. I just have Wendy, Sarah, Lola. Looks like there's a few more people.
4: Laura
3: is here. Susie, Susie's
1: here. Molly. Laura. Hi, Molly. Hey. Maggie's here. Hi, guys. Janine's here. Hey. Hey.
3: Awesome! It's so good to hear everyone's voice again. It's been so long. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. How was your maternity leave? <clears throat> it was. It was good. It was. Um, It was really awesome. I've really enjoyed the slowness Mm -hmm. and the downtime. And I'm very grateful for our team and for Tara that just could uphold that for me while I was gone. And I didn't fight it. I was just really excited to just kind of turn off for a little while. It was good. Mm -hmm. But it also feels really good to be back. (laughs) So, uh, you know, just trying to manage and balance um, life, work, and motherhood all at the same time. And it's summer. Summer is a big old drag right now because I don't know what to do with my older child. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, we're we're getting through it and I'm having some good moments now, but the beginning I was like, this is crazy. So, yeah. Um, well, awesome. I, I feel like a lot of people are on, so I think we should just dive in. Um, yeah, sure. And- I'm glad that everybody, um, had you, had, you guys had your calls with Becky. How did everything go over the last three, four months? It was good.
1: Mm-hmm. It was really
3: well. Awesome.
1: Yeah.
3: It seems like a lot of you guys are so busy. I've been keeping up with Facebook and posts, and looks really awesome. So <laughs> I can't wait to hear more details. Um, but this call we're going to focus on, this is Navigating the Induction. And um, we put this call, you know, towards the end of the series because at this point, most of you probably have seen an induction or have gotten close to it. So, um, it's a really nice way to kind of storytell and just get experiences based on what everyone's been going through. Um, And, yeah, so I just, this call is partly based on just discussion and also storytelling. So, um, have some of you been to inductions at this point? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, I have. <laughs> no, yeah, I. I feel like especially where you guys are in your area, it's, it's common. <laughs> induction rates are really—it's a little bit higher in the city. Um, but it's good to hear that some of you have been to an induction, so you guys can share experiences. But the first part of the call, I kind of want to break down. The process and how it changes your role as the doula, and we, we talk about this a little bit in the training. Um, but more questions come up when that situation kind of happens, where it's like, when do I join the family? Um, you know, what kind of medicine are they using? Are they using a the medicine? Are they using the Foley bulb? And just kind of how it, like, how the story unfolds and what, how it changes your role. So. I kind of want to break it down logistically in that sense, and then we'll go into the storytelling organically and just, um, yeah, kind of discuss it like that. So um, does anybody have any questions before we start? No. Cool. Um, awesome. So a few of you guys had said that you've been to an injection. Um, so, was one of those people? Does anyone want to kind of share the experience and how it felt?
2: No one. <laughs> um.
1: I I haven't been to an induction for... so i
2: this,
4: this is, is Lola talking and I can talk about my induction. Not my personal induction, but my
1: induction <laughs> <personal> story.
4: <laughs> Go for it. Okay. Um, so my first birth, first client and my second cousin once removed. Um, she was induced because her water half broke, like some fluid came out, but not, not like a gushing, but it was Mm -hmm. enough that they thought that it would be unhealthy to leave that opening or sorry, I'm not using the right word, but, um, So, and she had texted me saying, like, oh, I'm going to the hospital just to get this checked out. Like, I don't think my water broke, but, like, there was a bunch of fluid, but maybe I just peed myself, Um, so it's probably nothing, but, like, I'll text you when I get there. And then, like, three hours later, she was like, oh, they're inducing me, like, come whenever. And I was like,
2: what? Mm
4: Okay. um. And so when I got there, they had already started. I mean, I'd have to check my – I don't exactly remember. But they had given her the the foley, um, and she seemed, like, very uncomfortable. Um, But everyone was, like, super nice, and, like, they took their time. um, And with inflating it – because do they inflate it when – it's in her. hmm Do they continue inflate or no no no. It had been inflated, but they were like taking their time with like pulling on it a little bit, mm-hmm. which seemed like very painful.
2: Um mm.
4: but she was okay with it and like um already knew that she wanted an epidural and um was okay with getting pitocin and so it ended up uh, being an okay experience for her, and I, since it was my first birth, I wasn't really sure like what to expect. Um, and then they had said, like, oh, the baby's probably going to be born like tomorrow afternoon. It was like 9 p.m., and they were like, oh, it'll probably come like, you know, at noon tomorrow. And then Mm -hmm. the baby was born at 2 in the morning, and it was, like, super fast. Um, That's great. So it seemed like a positive experience apart from, like, the discomfort that she was having. And Mm -hmm. she didn't seem to question anything, but I wonder, like, did she really need to be induced because of just, like, this little fluid extra fluid coming out like was that mm-hmm. actually her water breaking etc
3: so yeah yeah and everybody uh. has different standards when it comes to ruptured membranes and some people will say come in right away other providers will say you can wait 12 hours home birth midwives I've heard as long as six days before Whoa. so it just yeah, there is a very um, the big spectrum there. So it sounds, you know, like I like to strip away this idea that inductions are always a bad thing. I think, you know, ideally we want everything to be natural and just kind of following the baby's lead and the body's lead. But sometimes an induction can actually be just what somebody needs to get the birth plan that they have in their mind.
5: Mm-hmm. Um
3: so, you know, it's, it does, like, there are some inductions that are, like, oh, it's pretty straightforward. Like, the body responds well to it, the baby responds well to it, and then everything is okay. Um, there are other inductions that are really long, and the body doesn't really respond well to it, or the baby doesn't respond well. Um, and it just makes for a really, a, a, like, a very difficult birth. Um, and usually those long birth stories that you hear about are the ones that start with induction, usually, not always. Um, So I think there's just, it always varies. And the Foley bulb, I find it to be like one of the most tricky things with induction.
6: Um, Has anybody else seen a Foley bulb induction? No. I haven't seen it, but I had it when I was induced. Oh, wow. And how did it go for you? Um, It sucked. It sucked a lot. And the, um, the guy who did it, he was like a student maybe, like for a long time I was like, oh, this mm. is fine. It doesn't hurt at all. And it wasn't even working. So then somebody came in and fixed it and like amped it up and then it was working and it started to hurt a lot. It was uncomfortable. yeah
3: I've heard people describe it as like that feeling you have when you get a pap smear. So it's like that dull serabi feeling like the whole time. Yeah, very icky. Um, yeah yeah and I think it's a great option because it's, um there's no medicine like it's just it's just a device, um but it can be false sometimes and give you a false reading, and so it you know pushes the cervix open and then it falls out, or they kind of like pull it out gently um mm-hmm. and sometimes the cervix can go back so it can it – can, that's what I mean when it's a little tricky. And, I mean, all induction methods are. It just really depends on the person and where the cervix is at. Um, so, um, Lola, did you join your this client from the start, like, as soon as they called and said we are going to be induced? Did you go there right away?
4: Um, I went – yes, yeah, so I was in an exercise class, and I, I left, like, one hour – after I got the call, so I was okay. there. At like yeah, but she had already had it inserted. Um,
5: mm-hmm.
4: so I wasn't there for the insertion of the fully, but I was there like right after she got it.
3: Okay. Yeah, I mean, the um, and how did that feel? Did you feel like you were kind of there, not doing a whole lot in the beginning, or did you feel like your support was needed?
4: Um, I felt like my support was needed more for her partner. I feel mm-hmm. like he was kind of just, like, confused by everything that was going on. Um, and she was sort of just like, whatever has to be done, I want to do yeah. it. Um, so, and, and she was still able to, like, move around a little bit. Um, but then once they were pulling it, once they, once, I don't know, it's at a certain point, she just was on the bed and I was just helping her move around a little bit with the the peanut.
5: hmm
4: Um, and yeah, but I feel like my support was more just like getting water and like saying like everything's okay, I think. I didn't say anything, <laughs> yeah. but... <laughs> um, and being there for the the part,
3: her partner. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's, I think that's the trickiest part for a doula's role when it comes to induction is, like, when do you go and when do you stay home? Um, just making that call. Because it can... It, it's a lot harder for... It extends the birth a little bit longer. Like, it depends on, the, of course, what form of induction is used. But it really it's a hard call to make because if you don't know how long it's going to take to get things cooking, you don't know what their minds and their hearts are really feeling. And you also don't know what's fully being communicated to them from the provider. So, and I think I'm mainly more talking about like a hospital birth setting. And I think that to me is like the questions we get the most around induction um, is just when do you go, and, and like, and just to kind of taking care of yourself as well, because sometimes inductions like nothing really happens for like 12 to 24 hours, and that tacks on a lot of time that you're going to be with them at the birth. So you know, say the birth is like 40 hours, and you get there from the beginning, like that's that's pretty hardcore, and that's it's hard to do those over and over and over again. Um, you know, when I started out as a doula, I was there, like, as soon as the phone rang. I was running around like a mad person and, like, stuffing my bag and running to the train. And um, I slowly, like, became more familiar with birth and more familiar with inductions and the hospitals and the providers and what their, their protocols were. Um, but I also started to just kind of know that, like, I had to take care of myself. And this was a great time for the clients to plant their feet in their birth setting and find their voices as well. And like for them to navigate the hospital setting or like the birth center or something like that. So um, I started to shift a lot of that support over into prenatal visits um, and really have these conversations up front. Like if you are to be induced, here's typically what I see. And this is typically what I do. Of course, all of this could change, but here are the questions you should be aware of, and you know these are things you might want to ask and things like that. So, um, I feel like a couple of you said that you had been to an induction, and just wondering, has did anybody have any other feelings around like when to join the client?
7: Um, So I have a different experience. This is Laura. Um, My last client was induced for um, medical reason because she's diabetic and baby stopped really passing her biophysical profiles that they were doing Mm. weekly. And so she was with a great group of midwives, but even they were like, we really need to see baby born now. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And despite all of the things that made the client fairly high risk, Um, they were willing to, like, work with her as much as possible on doing as natural an induction as as was, you know, able to be done, Um, Mm -hmm. and she was, like, petrified because she had had a previous traumatic birth um, in the hospital setting, Uh, so the induction really was freaking her out, so it was really important to be there, like, as they were checking in um for that specific situation but this was also like her sixth baby and it was a Mm. very different scenario Mm. um so it really just went a lot differently and i was super super thankful because her midwives were amazing and like explained every single part of the process and informed consent like beyond what i had ever experienced in a hospital um really talked through every option with her and like, okay, let's let you try, you know, if you want to try breaking your water and just like nipple stimulation, see if we can get time of contractions going. They really gave her a lot of leeway. She did end up having Pitocin, but it ended up being her choice. And Mm -hmm. it was just a very different from what I had expected an induction to look like, especially with, um, they had to manage her diabetes, like through a very specific system. And it was, so I was just amazed at how different it was from a standard protocol induction that I would have anticipated, um, mm-hmm. and it ended up being a positive experience for her, which was kind of shocking and and, and so awesome. So yeah, what well, was shocking
3: about it? Just because it was so different from her traumatic birth, or
7: well, uh, it was shocking that it was positive, honestly, because it was like everything she was telling me she didn't want and um I don't know you know a lot of the things like baby ended up having a mild shoulder dystocia and things Mm -hmm. got really intense like it was it was not an easy birth (laughs) it went Mm -hmm. fairly quickly but there was a lot of intervention that was very necessary um, and they managed it extremely well but it wasn't like calm and serene and (laughs) once once things got intense they got super intense and then baby's like clavicle was totally broken and after Mm -hmm. um after the birth she had to go to NICU and she needed air Mm -hmm. and like so it was it was fairly traumatic still in all like if you just you know wrote down the bullet points but her experience and how she how she um I don't know, I guess just how everyone treated her and she felt supported in it, and so she took it as a positive compared to her mm. last experience. So that's why it was, like, shocking and amazing that all of those things still equaled a good good experience for her.
3: Yeah. I mean, that's that's the thing is <clears throat> sometimes they're, they're, they're great and just kind of what the client needs and to get to the birth that they want. Um, I think it's you know it's also important to remember that inductions can go really fast as well um, mm-hmm. and have that fast and furious feeling and be really scary and there is that stigma attached to I, th- I call it a stigma because it's not super true <laughs> uh, but the idea that if you get induced then you have to get the epidural and you can't have a natural birth. Um, I don't I don't really believe that to be true. I've seen people labor beautifully and naturally um, on Pitocin, like high amounts of Pitocin. So, again, it just depends on the body. But um, it's easy to walk into a doctor and like, oh, they're not going to need me for like 10 hours. we good. But it can actually like sometimes really they can go into labor pretty quickly. I had that once with a client who had Cytotech actually. And I thought mm. – like, oh, she'll be fine, like, for a few hours, and she went into, like, hardcore labor on just one dose of cytotech and her baby was born within, like, eight hours. So it kind of keeps you on your feet, and I think just, like, be ready for those shifts, but also, like, really start to think about yourself and um, making sure you're not going too early. Because the other thing, too, is, like inductions usually are pretty slow to start and so everyone's staring at each other looking at for like what do I do (laughs) and it's a good time for everyone just to be resting so that's generally the conversation I have with people is this is a great time for you to get rest as much as you can try and stay distracted I'm going to be home doing the same and then you know just keep me up to date I'll check in in four hours if I don't hear from you and um, just kind of come up with a nice game plan moving forward. Um, and something else to consider is doing like a check-in with a client. When they get to the place of birth, go there and meet them there, see them that, that they're like set up and they're comfortable, and then you go back home and you chill out and rest and take care of yourself and stay in touch with them over the phone, and then you go back when it's time. So that's another, that's another option. I've done that a few times more in the recent years, and it's actually been pretty helpful. So something that,
2: you know, another option to think about. What other questions and experiences that you guys have? I don't have any experience, but so I don't have any questions. <laughs> yeah. Really, nothing with infection? Not a bad thing, but I'm surprised. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. I
2: have.
4: This is Maggie. I have a question about um, pitocin. I know with. Um, One woman that I worked with, uh, when they were broaching the subject of induction, and it didn't, like, she wasn't induced um, for her labor, but Mm -hmm. um, she said that they were talking about that they could do, like, a slow drip. um,
7: Mm. And
4: that would be, like, you know, a a better option. What can you tell me about that? Is that true? Um, Or does it kind of depend on the
3: person?
6: With a slow drip?
3: Yeah. Just like the options there. Yeah, generally Pitocin started out really slow mm-hmm. um, just because they need to really see how the body and the baby react to it. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know what everyone else has seen has seen Pitocin, whether it's been to induce or to augment labor, but I would say on average what I see is like every 30 minutes they up the dose a little bit. Um and then if everything looks good, they just keep going and going until they get to the point where they feel like the contractions are at a steady pace. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a point where they just can't go up higher, and if the body's not responding, the body's not responding. Right. Um, but yeah, a slow drip is um, attractive, and I mm-hmm. think that it's a good option um, to just kind of cruise and give it some time. You know, the other downside to induction is that you're on the clock, you know, um, and when I, like, I'm mainly talking about inductions in hospitals. I know that inductions exist at home birth, but it's usually not with Pitocin or other um, crazy medications. It's, it's a gentle approach. Um, but, yeah, with Pitocin, once it's started, they're going to up it because they want to see a certain amount of dilation within a certain amount of time. so to stay on a slow drip and then nothing's really happening, um, they just start to really look at the clock and it kind of puts you more towards the territory of um, maybe thinking about having the baby being born via cesarean. So it just depends on the practice, on the person. Um, I think a lot of times people don't realize that they have a lot more say in their induction than they, than they realize And, um, I think it's because it's like, it goes from like, I'll just see what my body does and my baby to all of a sudden some telling you what to do, telling your body and your baby what to do. So people just kind of put their hands up and they're like, oh, it's no longer under my control. But that's a big conversation that I have with clients and the sense that this is still your birth and this is still your body and your baby, like you have full autonomy here. Um and maybe it's not, you know, starting the way you envisioned, but it, you still have choices. Um, and asking those three questions, I think, is always important. Like, is, is the birthing person safe? Is the baby safe? Um, do I have more time? And if the answer is yes to all of those, then they can choose differently. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the slow drip's great for a little while. And if the body can kind of, you know, start to get used to the and the contractions can happen like that, then that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thanks.
1: I
6: have a question. Have a... Oh, right. <laughs> sorry. I think I have this question because I haven't really been at an induction yet, but how much, like, um, encouraging would a doula do? Like, what would a doula do to sort of, like, um, help the process along and, like, encourage nipple stimulation and other things that can maybe mm-hmm. help the body? Are you just, like, waiting along with the, like, pregnant person or are you, like, trying to get it going too?
3: And is this maybe before they do, like, a hospital induction or? No,
6: like, during the induction while they're, like, maybe on Pitocin and, mm-hmm. it's, like, slow and everybody's kind of just impatient and waiting. Yeah, I mean, I think that,
3: um, Everybody practices differently, and I'm more. I'm kind of like, why not do gentle encouragement, especially if it's something that is more natural in the body, you know? Because pitocin is synthetic oxytocin, and it's like what you're trying to create in labor. So, doing those other natural approaches, like nipple stim or, um,
1: like that acupressure point above or
6: something.
3: Yeah, like all this stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. Why not? (laughs) You know, it's like, why not have some fun? Um, And I, I, you know, just, but not to make it like, okay, we're going to do this every hour. Like, try not to make it so regimented like the, how the hospital induction is and make it more intimate and more emotional and just fun. Just like, Hey, you know, while you're in this bed, why don't you, you know, make out or while, you know, and I'll go get a cup of coffee or something. Mm-hmm. um and that acupressure point above the ankle bone like I do like lots of foot massaging on induction mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. encourage the partner to do that if I'm not there like get some oil get some lavender and really like just hone in on that acupressure point and just all over the bottom of the feet um so yeah I I'm you know I do kind of um err on that side but I also, once you see things kick into gear, you want to back off and let the body start to Mm
2: -hmm.
3: just take over. You know, that's the hope with induction is that like all you'll need, all the body needs is a little like nudge Mm -hmm. and then it will just kind of kick into gear and do it on its own. And I've seen that actually way more with inductions than with Pitocin augmenting labor. So um, with inductions, I've seen that it's like they'll start Pitocin and the body's like ding, 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 and they just kind of start cruising. And they are like, you know what, let's back off the Pitocin and see if you're still doing this, and it actually works. Um, the times where I see Pitocin just so many bags that it given to the client and just so long and the contractions are really not doing what they needed to do, is someone who's been in labor for a long time and their body's tired and they've stalled out a little bit. And I think what they need is actually a big fat break instead of all this pitocin. So, you know, it's just, it just really depends on the situation.
6: Um, One follow-up question. So what Mm -hmm. about when the doctor is like threatening induction and the that they want to go into labor naturally, but they want it to happen before they have to go into the hospital. Like what would you what's within our scope at that point? Lots of referring. So just to just to confirm what you're saying, you were saying that
3: um, like the doctor's like come in on Tuesday and they're like, no, I don't want to Okay, yeah. So that's I have I don't know if I shared that with you guys or showed it to you, but oh no, we have this this should be in your detailed material pretty sure um just natural ways to induce um and these are things that you're like you really want you just are recommending it to them in the sense that like other clients have done that and they need to do their research and you've heard these things have been helpful but you can't tell somebody okay you're going to do acupuncture three days a week and you're going to do this this and this um I give it to people as a form of reference, like, here are some ideas that you could do. Um, But you're definitely not there, like, pouring the castor oil into the vodka to give to them. (laughs) You know, it's like, (laughs) you're really like, hey, I've heard this is super helpful. Why don't you think about it? Um, And I always approach it in mild, medium, and and intense, I think is how I have it categorized, where – there are those things that are just lovely to do, like the walking and sex and kissing and acupuncture and teas and all that stuff. Um, but when it starts to get into the territory of, like, hardcore herbs, oils, like, or um, not so much oils, but the homeopathy, like, just stronger medicines, then um, that's when you refer out, so... Mm-hmm. And those are conversations that I have in my prenatal visits before that's even
7: on our radar. Um,
3: I did this so much in New York because I, it, I think it's slowly changing a little bit, but the induction rate was so high when I was practicing there. It's actually not as high as it in, in Austin. Like, I don't see induction as much as I, do, I did in New York. And I just I wanted – like, I wasn't planting seeds, but I just gave them this paper, like, if you ever – start to get these, like, little, you know, sayings from your doctor, like, well, you know, the baby's looking kind of big, or if you don't go into labor by this date, um, they can have that sheet to refer to. Mm
2: -hmm.
3: So, yeah, just, it is tricky. It's really tricky to stay in our scope, but um, I feel like I always approach it in the same way, like. We it, we don't really blink an eye, us When they're like, when we're like, oh, you know, like you have hip pain. Oh, why don't you try some, you know, chiropractor or acupuncture? To me, it's the same as like saying, like I've had a lot of clients that have had luck with this tincture. Why don't you look into it? And they're making that choice just like they are with a chiropractor. So, you know, just that's usually my that's how I can kind of stay in
2: that frame. Got it. Mm-hmm.
7: I think there was another question while you were. Asking. I had a question about um, Pitocin for augmentation, though. I don't know if you want to mm-hmm. go into that right now or, or no, not. Let's, no, let's do it. What's, what's okay, question? so what I, I guess from a, an experience that I witnessed, um, do you have any tips for helping clients avoid kind of, um, I don't like delays or their body kind of shutting down during this like whole Pitocin augmentation mm-hmm. cycle. Cause what I would see is, you know, my clients, she had made it pretty far. I think she got to like six and um, I, I considered the contractions to be fairly regular and timeable and productive, but then they put her on the monitor and they were saying they're not strong enough. They keep slowing down mm-hmm. and they kept slowing down when they would monitor her. Um, cause they had her, the nurse wasn't very good at monitoring while she, it wasn't just like a Doppler and, you know, like it was like the whole band and she'd make her lay on one spot for 20 minutes. Yeah. Um, and so it was a really frustrating cycle for my client and for me to watch. Um, and then they started saying your, your body's just not producing strong enough contractions. So they basically uh-huh. said your body's failing. We have to do something to help it. And that right. totally shot her confidence. She'd been, you know, laboring hard for like eight hours at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and so once they started the Pitocin, I, I could tell her spirit was already like <laughs> crushed yeah. in a certain way. And then it just kind of kept beating more and more and more. And then she was like, okay, well, I can't do this anymore. So there's the epidural. And then it just totally changed what, her, what I felt like her labor could have been. And I don't know if she would have needed that. But I just wondered if there was, like, things that you found to be helpful to kind of change that scenario or give, you know, give some other possibilities for how that could go. I, or I don't know, just ways to frame it for your client even.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it really depends on the person, of course. And what you said. just described it it's actually really common. Um, and I think okay. it goes back to what I was saying earlier about how um, the idea that like they just lost control and they just kind of mm-hmm. lost their voice when it came to their birth, and um, they felt like they were like kicking ass, and then they were being told that actually no, you're not doing that good, and we need to help okay. you along. Like that could be really, um, it could be really tough. So what I I try and just kind of. Um, Ask, ask for the room and not really, like, I'm not kicking people out, but wait for that moment where um, you're with your clients and just one-on-one and check in and just say, like, how are you feeling right now? That, like, there's been a lot of changes and this is kind of different than what you you were just doing. Um, I really have the conversation about the machines in the room and, um, encouraging people to not pay so much attention to them, even though the hospital staff is,
0: mm-hmm. and
3: just, um, like, what are you feeling in your body? Where are you feeling it? How do these contractions feel? And, you know, just kind of coming into, like, a full-body experience instead of the outward experience of, like, what everyone's telling them and what they're seeing on the machines. Um Something else to think about too with this is talking about how um, with every contraction, our body is doing great work and it's really hard. And, you know, we want those contractions to bring the baby down. And if the baby is not coming down and it's actually not dilating the cervix, it can really make someone tired to just mm-hmm. contract and contract with actually no efficiency. Um, I know that's a horrible thing to fix I feel like every contraction has a ton of power behind it <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. um,
3: and no machine can really say if it's good or bad but um, you know just having that conversation too is like we don't want we don't want anyone getting tired and that can actually do somebody a disservice so I think it's really about kind of tuning into the body and the mind and just like paying more attention to that than what people are seeing on the outside okay does that kind of make sense
7: yeah have you ever had luck um with clients being able to convince the hospital to monitor them less or give them more like a chance to rest their body if contractions are spacing out instead of forcing augmentation or like is there any way to you know kind of prepare them for what might be successful in that or i don't i guess i don't know i there was a basically a point where i felt like she needed to let things face out and take a nap so she could regain strength and that's when they pushed Mm -hmm. pitocin instead to augment and i just didn't know i mean i didn't feel like it was my place to stop what they were requesting um because the you know they explained the the pros and cons or risks and benefits and my client you know said okay to them um, but i it didn't they didn't really present any other option either, so I just didn't know if there was any other option even successful you know kind of seeing clients
1: mm-hmm. have
7: in the hospital setting,
3: yeah, I mean absolutely, and I think again it goes back to having that conversation prenatally and being familiar with who they're with mm-hmm. um, I mean they could totally act for that they can ask for time again like going back to the three questions and there is no rush and if they're just like no we like you said the baby's fine and i'm fine and i want to take you know four more hours um they can refuse certain recommendations absolutely um and i think our in terms of your role as a doula it's like I always like to ask those questions so they get to the, they get to that place themselves instead of saying like, you can ask one more time if you don't have to listen to them um, mm-hmm. as much as we want to say that.
2: <laughs> I think just
3: checking in, like, how do you feel about this decision? Like, does it feel like the right one to you? Um, you know, and just saying like, I feel like, you know, your body is doing some pretty powerful work right now and, I'm wondering if a break is kind of what you need, and then you can, like, use it as a reset button. Um, right. Plant the seed, you know, just a little bit, just, like, what what would happen if we did this?
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, but really, I, I like to ask people more about how they feel about what they just heard instead of giving them something else to consider. Yeah. I feel like it can get really overwhelming when there's so many opinions, especially ones that are in two different ends of the spectrum, that... Mm-hmm you've had these conversations in your prenatal visits and, you know, you're like, this is kind of, you know, you can kind of back it up on that. Like we talked about this in our visit last month and, you know, this is the time where I think the uterus just needs a break. Um, It's so interesting that like, I don't know if some of you guys have been to home births and, you know, one, maybe one or two and, and seeing the difference between hospital births. this is where I find the biggest difference is with inductions and the pace of labor. And I think it would be more for a home birth midwife. Usually they're like, oh, things are petering out. Great. Let's take a break. <laughs> like that's their <laughs> first go-to. They're not like, oh, my God, we need to speed things along. Hello? Only Sorry,
1: thing- I got caught off.
3: Oh, it's okay. Glad you got back on. Um, <laughs> So yeah, it's just it's more like it's the only time they either need to speed things along is if the baby is telling differently. Um, but usually they're just like, oh, things are slowed down. Great, let's let's roll with it, and they make <laughs> the person more comfortable, and they just kind of all follow suit. So it's just really interesting to me that majority of where people are having their babies and the majority of like what care people are seeking out is doing
2: the exact opposite of that so yeah it just really depends on so much Other questions? Any other experiences that you guys want to share for those who have been to induction? Hi, guys. This is Heidi.
5: Hey, Heidi, how are you?
1: Hello. Good.
5: Sorry. I got on a couple of minutes ago. I was having trouble connecting, um, although I was mm. late because I was in an induction. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
5: um, so I've been to a couple of inductions. I, I kind of missed the whole conversation, um, but this one was very different because it was for preclampsia. And a lot of crazy stuff happened. Um, baby and mama are both okay. But um, there were a couple of scary moments. And I learned a lot. And it's funny because I have just been talking to Becky about cancer because I had another client with Frecancia last week. But she mm. she had an emergency cesarean because uh. it was already, like, at that point where, like, nothing else would work because baby and mama were really at risk at the moment Mm -hmm. Um, everything is well with them too now Um, this one started having uh, high blood pressure over the weekend Um, you know everything kind of regulated without any medication so they went home but then they were back in the hospital on Monday Mm -hmm. Um, and then things weren't getting better even with like magnesium and you know everything else so they induced and and so they started with, like, survival, um, but she stayed, like, a one centimeter for the 12 hours. Mm-hmm. So then they did the Foley balloon, um, and it fell off after a couple of hours. Then they broke her water, and after that, she moved along really fast. So like, a couple of hours later, we had a baby. Um, so the baby was, she was 35 weeks pregnant the baby was tiny, they're like really tall people, like over six feet, both of them. Mm-hmm. The baby was like five pounds and like 45 centimeters. Um, so the baby was born fine, um, doing fine. The day he did have to go to the NICU for like 24 hours because of the magnesium levels on his blood and the placenta of the blood. Um, but the placenta wouldn't come out, like it wasn't detaching. Um, and when it came out, it was kind of, it was, it kind of looked like it was missing a chunk. And it was really mm. it was really small placenta. And it was a nuchal cord and the three vessels were like really separated. Like it was really flat. It was just so interesting. Mm. Um to see like all of these things. And it was it was with um Lower Manhattan. So um, Rita, midwife Rita was the was was the one on calling. She's like really good. Um, so like the care was great. The procedure itself, like the holding doctrine was not bad um besides uh, you know a couple of things like they wanted her to get like a catheter instead of like using the bed pen yeah like little things like that you know so she had to like okay for herself and be like no you know what guys i don't need this right now i don't want this um Mm -hmm. can we please like try to limit the intervention from now on to like everything that is just medically necessary right now but it took a couple of trials for people to like leave her alone like little things like not touch her while she's having a contraction like Mm -hmm. um like, wait for the blood pressure until she's done with the contraction. Wait for blood work. <laughs> like, little things like that. She had to keep reminding them um, until we, like, had a talk. They had a talk with the nurses, like, after talking to me, just so that these things wouldn't happen anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, like, where you were saying, like, I asked them how were they feeling about, you know, the nurses continuing to touch her when she was having a contraction. These, these little things that I knew that were bothering her a lot especially after everything that she was going through already. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the end, the whole induction process wasn't bad. It was just everything that happened after. She started, like, hemorrhaging like an hour mm-hmm. after the baby was born. She, like, fainted. It um,
6: oh, was just crazy. crazy.
5: The poor dad was a mess. he was yeah. crying. You know, the baby was in NICU at this point because the third one had already come back. Mm-hmm. Um, there were a, a couple of different things with the baby, too. Um um, first time I see a, a baby born with central incisors, in the, the teeth, he had two little teeth. Oh, so yeah. that was interesting. So that like, there was a lot of things going on. So they were, they were going to run more tests to see if there's anything like genetic or the whole. Yeah. There was a lot of things in one birth, I think. Yeah. So it was scary for me because, mm-hmm. you know, to see them struggle and, and trying yeah. to like, just do like the slow dolan method and like go put some water on my face come down you know get it together so i can better support them um i think in the end everything worked out well they're doing better right now i just spoke to the dad that's why i was late um he called me so i had to take his call yeah and and then join the call so i'm you know i'm still just processing this just happened like yesterday and today yeah um, a lot so i really i really wanted to like listen to this conversation because i still have trouble knowing when to go into induction mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's getting better like before i used to go super early and be there forever now i try to go once the clothing is started mm-hmm. um, but um you know I, I still don't know when the right time is to come especially in situations like this one like i've had inductions for like IGUR, um, I mean, IUGR, um, for the things that are, like, necessary, I guess, you know, it's not like mm-hmm. because they went over, over the due date and stuff like that, it's just because of medical conditions, like high-risk clients, so I kind of have a soft soft spot for them asking me to come in when it's too early, I can't say no, because I feel like if they're yeah. calling me to come in, it's because they need me.
7: Yeah
5: and I need to just be there for them. Yeah, and I think it's it's good to plant those seeds
3: in the prenatal visits. Like, of course, I will be there for you if you're feeling anxious or you have, like, some questions and or you're feeling scared. Like, I can come check in on you, and um, if I need to step out to give you guys some space to get into the rhythm of labor, then I'll do that. Um, mm-hmm. And just kind of, like, Give them an idea then, and then when it does happen, you can say, like, wait, yeah, okay, you wanted me to come check in. That's totally awesome. Like, I'll be there. And just so you know, if things seem to be in, like, this, like, slow pace, I usually don't use the word slow, but, you know, this steady pace where you guys could use some one-on-one time, then I'm going to step out and give you guys some right. space. So always talking I,
6: about that.
5: Right. I try to do that a lot during the prenatal um, but I feel like in induction, we kind of get anxious. <laughs> yeah, um, absolutely. And and I like I did once a couple of months ago. I checked in with her, um, like around I think it was a couple of hours, um, before pitocin because she was like really anxious. But this was a client that had other that mm-hmm. like she had other um she had mental health issues. So I knew that with her, and she was a single mom, so, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a totally different case because I know that she really needed to work whenever she needed yeah. it, right? So it was an induction, and I went to her, I checked in on her, and then I went back a couple of hours later, like four hours later, and I stayed. Um, mm-hmm. It was a long time, but still I felt, I felt kind of that she kind of resented that I left the first time that I went to check in on her, although I was very yeah. clear. I told her, I'm going to go, I'm going to check in on you, and then I'm going to leave. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, and then I will come back. Um, so then yeah. I came back when she asked me to come, but still, the relationship with her was after the birth was totally different from, like, all my other clients.
3: Yeah. Um,
5: like, I got one update after, a couple of weeks after, and then she disappeared. I usually get, like, updates forever, and people are mm-hmm. just really happy, even if it wasn't, you know, exactly what they what they envisioned as their birth, because, you know, sometimes it just doesn't happen. But still, because they felt, you know, supported and and just like loved and and supported, I guess you know. Yeah. Her. I, I kind of felt it immediately that she was that she really resented that I left. So I don't know. I think that kind of changed my perspective about checking in, and I know that it it is just one experience, and I shouldn't feel like that. But <laughs> yeah. <kind> of <laughs>
3: No, I mean, and you'll you'll know what works best for you, you know it's like maybe you just don't do that check in like i I hesitate doing that sometimes because I'm so afraid of that happening like they I don't want them to feel abandoned or like it's not important to me oh. um and I think it also is around the idea that people have with induction where it's like once it starts, it's a fury, it's like a storm of contractions and yeah. It's not. It's so slow. It's actually sometimes slower than normal labor. So, I think that you know, having that conversation is really
1: important, too. Yeah. And you'll it's know. Really you'll know
3: the client life. that's going to need you and then you'll know the client that might not need you ahead of time. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I'm sorry about that last though, That sounds Scary to
5: witness. Yeah, it was really intense, especially if, like the nurse checked like, on the blood, and she she felt that she was like bleeding a lot. Yeah.
6: And then I just kind of like
5: brushed it off the first time. Mm-hmm. And the mom was like really concerned, so I told her, you know what, if you feel like you want to talk to your midwife about it, then you know just call her in.
1: Yeah. Kind of to
5: give her peace of mind, because I didn't really look when the nurse looked, um, so I didn't see how much it was. But she said, you know, it's it's heavier than average, but it's still normal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but then she wasn't feeling okay so I, I saw it on her face and I was like if you want a second opinion just call your midwife she's still around but the midwife came and oh my goodness it she pressed on the uterus and mm-hmm. her so much blood like everywhere like I hemorrhaged both times with my babies but it was yeah. different for me I guess because I was the one hemorrhaging <laughs> so I didn't see the blood I just kind of like
3: yeah, we don't see as much of it when yeah. we're the ones bleeding. <laughs> yeah.
5: But this was crazy. Like, I, I am okay with blood and every really fluid, um, but there was just blood and clots shooting everywhere.
3: The clots really are what crazy. get me the
5: most. And that's what happened to me
3: when the first hemorrhage that I saw. I've seen a few now. And um, that she was just like, this isn't right. I don't feel good. And they kept coming in and checking her. And they were like, oh, it's fine. It's fine. And she just looked white as a ghost, couldn't talk, didn't want to hold her baby and I was like, This is not normal and yeah,
1: it's just she,
3: she was communicating it to me and I could see it in her face and I was like, Okay and then when they moved her to the side and like pressed on her stomach, that's when it all came out.
5: Yeah. So. And and even after that, they were like, Okay, oh, because they had already done a sonogram because they told you the the placenta looked like it was missing a chunk. But, yeah, yeah. So Dr. mortis came and did the sonogram and he showed that her uterus was empty already. So they thought mm-hmm. everything was okay. So then after the blood clots and the bleeding, um they did more pitocin and you know, some medication and the midwife just left. And then afterwards they yeah. came in to wake her up to pee and she wouldn't wake up. Mm. And I was still there, but she told me that she was really tired. So I was just waiting for the dad to come back because um, the baby was in the NICU. So there was a lot of back and forth and I didn't want to leave her alone because she was scared and not feeling yeah. well. So I was just like looking at her, but she looked like she was sleeping. You know? And then I tried to wake her up and she wasn't waking up. So that was really scary. And then the yeah. dad started freaking out. So I was trying to like do him, you know, trying to yeah. like, calm down and, you know, but still like I didn't know what was going on at the moment either. Yeah. <laughs> so it was scary yeah I'm sure well I hope they do better or get better yeah. at this point yeah, you. Um, okay.
3: thanks for sharing everybody so I'm seeing guys It's not. Or, sorry it's not 9 o'clock for most of you it's, it's been an hour <laughs> I'll say that um, are there any last questions or anything that you guys have before we go about infections
7: or anything in general can we just confirm the the date that our materials have to be submitted and our birth has to be complete? Yeah, absolutely. Let's see. What do I have? When is our
3: last call? August is
1: August tenth is our next one. If we need an extension, do we have to pay an extra fee for it?
3: Yeah, so the the extension is a two month extension and it's two hundred and seventy five. How much is
1: that? Two hundred and
3: seventy five dollars. and if you guys if anyone needs to talk about an extension or kind of where you're at. Well this works for everybody no matter what. Like you guys reach out for me to for mentor calls. Like I'm back on now, so I'd love to catch up with you guys one on one and just see where you're at. And if someone is considering an extension or needing one, um, we can definitely have that conversation. Email me, yeah, call I'm, her.
1: I'm gonna I'm gonna need it because I'm definitely taking a break from birth for a while.
3: Yeah, yeah. I'm sure. Um let's let's talk. Let's let's get like something going for you, a nice timeline. Um, and then so I'm seeing here that September
5: fourteenth is our
4: last
3: Paul
5: my birthday all, what I said that's my birthday.
3: oh, happy birthday.
5: <laughs>
3: I think I remember you saying that in the training
5: um,
2: <laughs>
3: so uh the, all all your stuff has to be together, and then you have a week to get the paperwork into us. So okay. basically everything has to be in our inbox
7: or in our hand by the 21st of September. Okay. Yeah. And that's, um, you, most of it can be, or all of it can be e-submitted, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. I, just, I kind of um,
3: am preferring that now because we're moving away from, you know, we've gone green for a while now, but... Mm-hmm. Um, We have so many doulas and members now. Our file cabinets are having a hard time with it. So we're moving it all (laughs) to Drive. So, yeah, you guys can – a lot of people have been setting up, like, a folder in Google Drive and just sharing it with us like that. Um, I am in the process of working out, um, like, a drag-and-drop system on our website, but we just haven't um, gotten that confirmed yet. So eventually that will happen. I don't see that happening before your training closes, though. Okay, so
7: Google Drive is a good option. Google
3: Drive is great, yeah. Okay. I have a question. Uh, Can you trim in the paperwork before then, before uh, September? Yeah, Yeah, I just – we don't really start the certification evaluation before um, the last call since there's just some things that, you know, like, some people have mentor calls, and then of course you you want to be on the last call as well. Um, but yeah. yeah, if you have everything together and you want to shoot it like our way before, absolutely.
7: Um, I have, and also the the call to go over the readings. That's a one on one mentor call that we have to schedule, or how do we? Yeah, do that's that? kind of
3: what I usually do for that. Is um, so once I receive the paperwork from you guys. It's so funny to say paperwork. The packet. The you okay. Know, all the stuff in email or whatever, um, I'll reach out. We set up a one-on-one mentor call, and we go over the packet, and we have a, a brief discussion about the, the books. Um, okay. If there are more thoughts or anything like that you, that you guys want to share, you can set up a separate mentor call for that before the program ends. But generally, it's just a few minutes of a conversation of, like, what was your favorite book? What was your least favorite? You know, things like that. Okay. So it's pretty general. Yeah. Okay. And we're, like, on our last call, it's really, like, like, oh, what about this essay? Is this okay? Is this okay? And when do we, you know, like, all these little questions about the packet.
7: Um, okay. That way
3: you guys have that week to kind of get it together. So in the last call, is usually just more casual and, like, you know, saying goodbye. And even though you guys are probably all going to see each other, most of you,
7: in New York.
2: <laughs>
3: so...
7: <laughs> uh, um, and the the business um, outline or something or the class that we need to take the, mm-hmm. the e-learning class the lab class that counts for that right the the like the DTI um, e-learning oh, one the,
3: the business toolkit one yeah yeah oh yeah totally
7: okay mm-hmm.
3: have you did you get did you take that or did I you haven't take taken it, it yet I I'm planning to though. I was just in the back end of it um, today, and it's so good. <laughs> I, was like, I mean, we had prepared for it, but it they, um, it launched when I was on leave, so I'm like, it's just to not have my fingers on like the designing buttons. I just go back there, and I'm like, it's so pretty. <laughs> it's
1: like awesome. Having a
3: different perspective from it, yeah. But it's it's pretty it's pretty amazing. I think you guys would really enjoy all of those, so. Um, I have
4: done it. This is Susie. I did the
1: the learning lab.
3: Which and one, Susie? The
1: the business toolkit.
3: Awesome, what would you think?
1: Yeah, it
4: was really helpful.
2: Really, very Good.
3: helpful. Did you find it to be like user-friendly and pretty seamless in that way?
6: Yeah. Yeah, very, very friendly. Okay, but I, I, I was kind of wondering, I, I feel like I remember there being an expiration date for it. Is that
1: correct?
3: I believe there. it's like you have it available for 90 days that you can watch 90 it. 90 days. Yeah, and okay, all of okay. the, the handouts and PDFs and stuff, that that's downloadable onto your computer. It's just the video yeah. segments, I think, are the ones right. that have expiration. Okay.
4: Yeah.
2: Cool. Awesome. Anything else, guys, before we close the call? Nope. Cool.
3: Well, thanks, everyone, for taking the time tonight. It was really good to hear everyone's voices again after so long. And um, reach out for me for mentor calls, and um, I look forward to connecting with you guys. Bye. Great. Thanks, Gina. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank
6: you. Good night.
1: Okay. Bye. Bye. Bye.